Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to Podcast Friday. I'm excited to talk about things that interrupt birth today. But first, I wanted to point out what might be obvious to a lot of people. We have the Lion's Gate portal coming, opening, however you want to say, in just a couple of days. I thought of this again today because I really want to reserve time, hence doing this podcast today rather than this weekend. I am going to try to just focus inward this weekend and of course be with kids and all of that, but more time outside if possible, more connectedness to the earth acknowledging the big transformation and manifestation that is possible during the Lion Gate portal, which happens every year. For those of you that don't know about it or want to know more, I just found some really basic info here on the internet. But the Lion's Gate portal is August 8th, and it opens before that, opens July 26th or thereabouts until August 12th. So August 8th is a cool day, right? Because it's 8-8 for one thing. And what apparently astrologically is happening, and I am not an expert here, uh, is that the sun and Sirius are synchronized and rising in the sky and clearly visible. So let's see what else. Um, This activates a gateway between the physical and spiritual worlds And on August 8th, this powerful stargate reaches its peak position, and Orion's belt moves into direct alignment with the pyramids of Giza, opening the cosmic 8-8 Lion's Gate portal. The vortex allows supercharged light codes to flood our planet, so who knows what might happen, right? You might have cool dreams. I've been having really weird dreams. (laughs) Um, You might get some spiritual downloads. You might notice more synchronicities or angel numbers or more ability to kind of feel what's happening or what might happen. All kinds of unexpected and expected cool things could possibly happen. And we'll see, right? I'm open to it. I'm also opening um, the portal, in a sense, to really getting serious about this. Oh, that's that's a really bad pun, isn't it? Serious? Ha ha getting serious about this Indie Birth Sanctuary. The lovely mamas that I serve here in Kentucky have all birthed for the summer. I thought we'd have at least one August birth, but alas, and so happy that they all have birthed in July. So August feels like a really great time. And now with this Lionsgate portal in a couple of days to get super serious on the manifesting front. And I have to just kind of sit even with what I think that means. Uh, There's already info out in the world, as you know, about the Indie Birth Sanctuary, but this requires just so much inner work, at least that's how I'm feeling, 
anything big like this really requires just getting so clear and so right with yourself that that is what I'm probably going to use the time for amidst whatever other creative projects and dreams come in during this time. So I encourage you to do that as well, if that feels resonant. If nothing else, enjoy one of the last weekends of the summer and see what comes through on the Lion's Gate portal of 2022. All right, uh, you can always rely on me for a very basic astrology update. I am going to be talking today just briefly, I don't think it'll take very long, on some things that I've realized even more so than I had that interrupt the process of a physiological birth. I thought I'd keep it to five just for my time and for yours. And I'm not acting like these are things you've never heard or thought about. I just wanted to put them in a place because it felt relevant to just experiences I've had, as always, emails and stories that we're told, right? It kind of all stockpiles. And usually that's how I come up with a podcast. Interrupting birth. Hmm. Interrupting the way birth flows from our primal being is such a huge topic. And I love that there's so much great information out there already. Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering by Sarah Buckley, that always comes to mind. It's one of my absolute favorite resources that teaches about undisturbed birth and how the body works as a mammal. Most people here probably know that. But if you don't, of course, that's a wonderful book. And this is really the basis of any childbirth education from my point of view. And of course, it has been for us here at Indie Birth for many years. Before we can get into the spiritual, the sacred, the more esoteric, I think knowing how your physical vehicle works as a pregnant mammal is really helpful. <laughs> so to that end, there's so much out there, I'm sure, about that. And then it's opposite. So if we know that, you know, A, B, and C make birth work better, so we could fill in the blanks, dark, darkness, warmth, feeling uh, safe, if we know those things facilitate birth, then of course we have the opposite, what interrupts the birth process. I think of Carla Hartley a lot, and I feel like I do mention her name quite a bit, so I always want to give credit where credit is due. And I remember long ago when I was a midwife early on, or maybe still a student, that she made this very clear distinction between interventions and interferences or interruptions. And I love that because in the more mainstream world, if we're talking about interventions, they're so concrete. Uh, the epidural, right, or the Pitocin, or whatever it is. And most people, with just some really basic birth knowledge, understand that those are interventions. They might still choose them, and we might talk about them, benefits and risks of this intervention, but we don't as often, at least in the larger culture, talk about interferences and interruptions in a normal birth process, because most women still aren't really focused on an undisturbed birth, a physiological birth. So if they don't really care about that, then 
these are minutiae and they don't really matter. I know they do matter and I know they matter to people listening here or taking our courses that we really have to consider the minutiae that for me as a midwife, I never get tired of it. And I consider myself sometimes um, an interruption or an interference just by showing up. So it's not personal. Sometimes it's just a matter of when the energy shifts and how it shifts in a birth. And yeah, sometimes we can directly know where that came from, right? So the midwife shows up, oh, she's too early, or whatever, maybe it's a different midwife on call than the woman expected. And the birth slows down, this is an interruption. And that's even a really obvious one, I think. I know for me, and I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of this today. But for me, um, I do think hard and I and I feel into as much as I can about absolutely everything that I might contribute to the birth as an intervention or an interference, um, probably an interference. I think interventions at home births, of course, are rare, but interruptions can happen without us even knowing them. And so honestly, I'm sure I have. I'm sure many times I've interrupted someone's process. And I try to be better at that each and every birth. I know the possibility is there just by me showing up. And I think all midwives need to face that fact to a certain degree. And then we have all of the things we can do that, again, might interrupt without us even knowing it. Sometimes it's something like just the energy we're bringing or, or you know, we're not as uh, in tune with what is being needed by the woman. And so we act inappropriately or, you know, I've seen this, of course, um, with students sometimes and not current students. So don't worry, current students uh, being on their phone a lot or, you know, there's some kind of like energetic difference between what's going on and what's needed and what someone's bringing to the table. And again, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying everyone that attends births has the possibility to be an interruption, even midwives, even doulas. And so just doing our best to realize when that might be happening and what that long list is. But funny, I'm not talking about that as much today. I really wanted to make a podcast for women Uh, of things maybe they haven't thought about, and maybe they have, but I think saying them again is helpful, because I'm not sure we've heard them enough, especially when we're having our first baby, and we don't know what to expect. So five things that interrupt birth or can. Again, we're talking about interrupting the physiology and the hormones, which as I've stated, there's so many people out there that have done good work on and I feel like solid info. Please know it and live by it. There is a way our bodies work. But something we have that the cat or the dog or the cow having their baby, I don't think has, and I could be wrong because I'm not currently one of those mammals in this life, is that we also have a ceremony of sorts around birth. If we're lucky, right? If we want that, if we realize that birth is so much bigger than a physical process, that birth is a ceremony. And I've been saying that so much lately because I really truly believe it. So we're not just talking about interrupting the hormones, although important. I'm talking about interrupting this sacred ceremony. And that to me, in a lot of ways, feels so much more serious, even though it's not an either or. 
but because the sacred experience and this spiritual awakening that can happen during birth to me is so crucial because I believe that's what's going to change the world. It's really detrimental to have interruptions during this ceremony. And just think of any ceremony for a moment, even if you're more of a religious person, maybe you go to church, um, maybe you're not and you're well versed in casting a circle or, you know, some kind of just really simple ceremony. Um, maybe your daughter recently started her cycle and you came up with just a really fun way of honoring her. There's so many ways ceremony can look and it doesn't need to be formal. So think of that, think of whatever your example is, and just kind of make the comparison with it being derailed energetically, like that feels really weird. And I know what that feels like in other contexts, I'm thinking just kind of of, you know, other, other ceremonial things I've been involved in over the years. And sometimes something just happens, like something goes wrong, or you're outside doing a ceremony and there's horrible wind and rain or bugs are biting you the whole time. There's a lot of ways that ceremony can be interrupted. And sometimes it's just the way it goes because there are lessons there. There are lessons in the interruption. But of course, if we're feeling really, you know, serious in a sense about this ceremony, then we feel it. We feel that something got disconnected. And it's usually the energy. So again, no matter what the ceremony, there is an energy that holds up a ceremony. And there is an energy that holds up birth in whatever way that woman and the baby need it. So it's not me determining, oh, this is the energy of this ceremony. No, I am part of, I am witness to the ceremony, but she is conducting it. And she is the priestess. So that is what I was thinking of when I was making this list, that we're not just interrupting the body, we're interrupting this ceremony. And what happens when we interrupt a ceremony like birth? Oh, I think there's a lot. And I don't know that I want to focus on that today. Because again, sometimes that ceremony needs interruption or the lessons come from that. So it's not bad, necessarily, unless it's just so unconscious, right? And this is where if you're listening, and you're pregnant, maybe this will help you because you don't want to make unconscious choices, I don't think, and interrupting birth or having your birth interrupted because of other people or their unconscious behavior or your own. um, Yeah, it might be a choice you can avoid making because it really is a ceremony. And we have two people in the ceremony to think about. We have the mom and the baby. And both are going through a huge transformation, I would say. The mother is losing herself as a maiden. She is literally stepping through a portal into motherhood. And that is huge. And this baby, whether or not they've been in physical form before, maybe millions of times, maybe never... This is still an initiation into this physical body, into this life, into these parents. So we want to be able to respond to these things, I think. We want to be able to hold space for her sacred ceremony and not get caught up in interruptions that derail the process. That said, 
we're very resilient creatures in all of the ways. Even if it's not ideal, whether we're just talking about the body and the hormones or the sacred ceremony, interrupted birth in whatever way often still works because that's how strong we are. That's how there are so many humans on the earth. When I talk about the five things in a minute, uh, it could be one thing that interrupts the ceremony and it becomes huge. Or it could be all of these things and maybe the ceremony really isn't affected all that much. It really depends on the woman. It depends on the woman and the time frame and what she's going for. The five things I want to talk about affect the whole system of the body. So yes, the physical, but also the emotional and spiritual bodies and our connection to intuition. That's a huge one for me. And it's really mind blowing. You know, I've been in birth work for a long time and I'm still mind blown all the time by just the light bulbs that go off. And that might sound so silly, but I guess it's because I'm just so passionate about it. So the first one, for example, is when we don't feed our bodies and rest during the birth process, so we don't eat, we don't drink properly, we're not sleeping, that actually affects our connection to our intuition. And I guess I knew that, like I've lived that, but I also just felt really shocked in a way to write that down and and connect the dots for myself. Again, because I think the physical context is normally what we talk about, even in our circles, that not eating, not drinking will just exhaust you. That's so true. It will physically exhaust you. And then yes, the hormones get interrupted. Your body is just simply trying to hold on. It can't really conduct this complicated orchestration, right? Uh, If you're not eating or drinking, you don't have the calories, you don't have the electrolytes, you don't have the minerals. Rest, hugely important. So all of these very like basic physical needs do affect the spiritual process of birth. And again, I think that's really cool and something to think about in a way. Even if you consider birth to just be a physical process, uh, weird things happen when you stop eating or drinking and you're not able to rest in labor. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, People go kind of somewhere else. Women go somewhere else in their psyches and It's not often the best place because in my experience, just being physically depleted really affects, of course, the, the, um, you know, the physical reserves they have for the process. But yeah, like this out of body spaciness that isn't the same as when someone's really in a labor process and, you know, feeling great physically as much as they can. It's not the same. It's a disconnection. That's what I've noticed. So Just saying, this is my two cents anyway, eating and drinking and sleeping in labor is so important. And Margo and I have talked about it for years. Margo, she herself, you know, went through a 60 hour first labor. She knows this firsthand better than anyone I know. But no matter how much you say this to people before labor, it's just going to be what it is. So maybe approaching it this way will be helpful to someone. It's not just your body that will get exhausted. It is your spiritual self that might feel disconnected or weird or not able to do this huge job of going to get your baby's soul and bringing it here. Okay, that was the first one. 
The second one's kind of a big one. I feel like maybe I need another podcast on this. And this is definitely going to be controversial. I think that men interrupt birth. Not 100%. I could name guys that didn't or, you know, maybe they did, but it didn't have an effect. So who knows? Um, I can definitely name my own births where my husband was present and the birth was fine. So would I, would I say he interrupted it? On a huge scale, no. But again, if we're talking this sacred ceremony that I think personally is the mom and the baby, then I think men by default can be seen as an interruption. That's controversial. There's a lot out there nowadays for some reason. And I don't disagree. There's a lot out there about men being part of the birth process. And I don't disagree from this equality viewpoint and this need, I think the need that I'm feeling from people that feel that way is the need for remembering the divine masculine and not forgetting them. Totally agree. You can't have one without the other. It's not just divine feminine all the time and no need for the masculine. Obviously, men are needed. But the question is how? I think that's the question. So I'm not going to necessarily answer that for anyone. And again, there's going to be people that are like, I couldn't have without my guy. Great, totally. But if you're open, I would challenge you if you feel that way. Not to criticize your experience, but just leave it open as, as a ceremony, was there any interruption due to the masculine energy being present at those moments? So I'm being very specific here. I think men during the birth process is what I'm talking about. Um, men that are there sort of at the last minute, right, to receive their babies and be part of that bubble as the baby comes earthside. I think it's beautiful. And I personally haven't felt as much an interruption there, although uh, my births where it was just me and my baby felt more complete to me. So again, I've had this honor and privilege of birthing many children, so I can compare. I know a lot of people can't in a way. And if your birth was great and you felt entirely happy with having your husband or partner there, then that's awesome. But I know for me going forward as a midwife, I definitely want to have this discussion more with people. And it's not personal. I think the masculine energy, again, is so beautiful and needed. And I'm not anti-man at all. I'm just being very specific about the interruption of the birth process by having masculine energy during the labor. I don't know what else to say about it. You know, all guys are different. That's true. And some come with fears and some don't and some are more supportive and some aren't. Like all of those things are almost irrelevant in a way because it's simply the energy that they bring. And I find myself more and more with attending births thinking that in the olden days, and, and I'm fairly sure about this, but you know, I could, there could be all kinds of differences culturally and all that. Um, in the olden days, women were with women. Like that was the way it was. Women and midwives and their sisters or whoever 
were with the woman when she had a baby. And the men weren't really invited in. And of course, who knows, you know, maybe people were more modest back then and all the reasons why. But I think at the deepest level, the women back then were probably more in tune with something, which is the masculine energy is an interruption during the birth process. I think you can find ways around that. I think maybe there is a way that men could alter my perception with doing their own work. I'm totally open to that. But this is just my own experience in births that I've seen for the most part. Um, and my, my own, just that uh, the sacred ceremony between mom and baby is somewhat interrupted. So take that and think about it and tell me what you think. All right, the third thing that can interrupt birth. And again, we're talking things today, I think that are a little bit deeper than normal. So not just the lights on or, you know, that kind of totally external stuff. How about fear? Fear interrupts the birth process. And again, it does affect the hormones. We know this. We know this from quote unquote science, as well as many accounts from many different sources over the years, saying that when women are scared, the hormones shift, there's too much adrenaline for them to facilitate a normal labor, usually when the adrenaline was released earlier in the process. And also, we know that the blood supply is important in labor. We know that the blood needs to go to the uterus and the baby. And if someone's feeling scared and is in a fight or flight response, then they are going to have that blood redirected to their brains, to their hearts, right? That's just physiology. But again, fear at a deeper level that is interrupting the ceremony. Is fear inappropriate in a ceremony? I actually think the answer is no. I think fear can be healthy. I think fear can propel us to bravely step into the next space, especially in birth. So I'm actually not advocating this idea that we need to be just fearless. We can have moments in the birth process that feel scary. And that probably doesn't really affect the hormones if the woman is able to release that. So fear is detrimental to the ceremony when it's held on to. How can we cross the coals, so to speak? How can we, you know, whatever the analogy is, how can we sail down the river of labor when we're too scared to even get in the boat? That's a big one. And there's a lot of fear right now in the world. There's a lot of fear that people are holding unconsciously, so they're not aware of it. And I'm not even just pointing at the birthing woman, although her fear will be the most disruptive to herself. Fear from whoever's in the room. And again, it could be the midwife, it could be the doula, it could be a family member, it could be the partner. Uh, fear can come from any living being, as far as I can tell. And it doesn't have to be conscious. So no matter what a person says, or does, to, you know, kind of illustrate that they're not afraid, that they're perfectly comfortable, that, you know, this is not weird at all, doesn't matter if their energy is that flighty, 
shaky, unsettled kind. And I suppose you have to be able to tune into energy, but most birth workers are, for one. And I would say that all birthing women are, whether they know it or not. So fear from whoever is going to interrupt your process. And it's a hard thing to deal with when it's not coming from you. You know, if you're the birthing woman, you can kind of work through that if need be. But if it's coming from inside your labor room, you've got to make changes. And often we're not in the space physically, mentally to do that. Our brains aren't working that way. So it helps to have advocates or support. But even on our side, on the midwife or doula side, it can be really uncomfortable to have to deal with scared family members, for example. Um, you know, not that I'm past discomfort, but often they don't understand, you know, why they're being asked to maybe run to the store or leave altogether. Uh, these are discussions or, you know, things that should have been thought of ahead of time. And again, maybe that's the key with this one is just ahead of time. If you're thinking of having someone there that isn't your partner, that, you know, isn't your absolute best friend, and then isn't your midwife or doula, really, you have to really, really do your best with knowing their energy, even outside of a labor, and making as sound a decision as you can. Because once you're in it, and you're trying to have a baby, and your poor whoever, uncle or aunt or, you know, whoever, um, is kind of internally not okay at a birth, it's just really bad. It's bad for everybody. And it almost always derails the birth, sometimes to the point of hospital transfer. Uh, and I think, you know, there's no blame to the woman necessarily there. I think you live and learn. And often, I think when that has happened, and it's happened, you know, a handful of times in the past to me as a midwife, sometimes women are actually trying to escape their own environment, and the hospital becomes the safest place they can go. So it makes physiological sense. Even though, uh, you know, in many cases, the ceremony of birth is disrupted by that whole thing, by going to a hospital, by taking a car ride. So that's a whole other thing. Okay, my kids are being really loud. Um, let's see, we're on four here. Uh, maybe I'll tell Jason that they're being really loud. Um, let's see, number four, number four. Oh, well, this goes along with it, but I really wanted to bring this up because I feel really excited about this as a topic. In fact, I'm going to uh, have someone on the podcast in a couple of weeks that is an expert on nervous system. And it has become just so crystal clear to me. And again, this isn't like some shattering fact here. I think we're all on the same page, but it's been clear to me lately that the nervous system being dysregulated, just as we're all here on this earth right now as humans, is really detrimental. So deep breath there, right? It's affecting our lives the last couple of years. Even if we've hopefully found ways to find our peace and, you know, focus on the good and all of that, there's a body response. There's a physical and deep emotional response to the world we live in. So this is a hard one because I can't change the world overnight. You can't change the world overnight as far as the fear that people have been living in for the last few years. But I would say it is interrupting birth maybe as the number one. In fact, as a midwife, I've seen more crazy births and dysfunctional labors in the last two years than I've ever seen in all 17 years of attending births. 
So nervous system dysregulation interrupts the physicality of birth, um, the mental emotional state that we need to be in, and also the sacred ceremony. Because if you think about it, there really is no place for being out of our bodies, which is what nervous system um, dysregulation can feel like, is we're just not in control of what's going on. And so we have symptoms, right? Anxiety and fear or depression, whatever. There's so many ways that nervous system dysregulation can look. But when we're talking about birth, it can just spiral out of control so quickly. And it's so deep and has been going on for so long for so many women that it's like we can't rein it in, like we can't get it back in labor. Um, it's a fight or flight response. It's sort of permanent. So I think this is different to me than fear, as in like, I have a fear of this thing. Fight or flight, as in my whole body is always on alert. I'm always releasing adrenaline kind of thing. When our nervous systems aren't functioning well, we lose access to our intuition. We just can't figure out what voice is right, so to speak, because we can't really drop into our true selves. It's a way of keeping us on the surface. And it's like a hamster wheel, right? We all know what anxiety feels like or, you know, any of the things that a nervous system out of whack feels like. You just kind of get on a hamster wheel and it's like you can't get any deeper. So um, again, I'll be bringing on someone really cool in the next month or so that is an expert on this topic. And I think she'll have some really great advice and tools and just a way of approaching this. Um, because it's not a one kind of fix for most people. So again, it's why in labor, if the nervous system is so dysregulated that birth and the ceremony is being interrupted, we can't just snap it back. You know, it's not like, oh, well, let's just feed you and your nervous system will be better, although that might help. Um, and it's not, oh, let's work through this fear. You're, you're afraid of being a mother? Okay, let's do that. No, it's so deep. And it's really um, getting planted or, you know, it's already planted, I think, for many of us, for most of us over the last few years. But it's something in pregnancy that we're not addressing fully enough. And, you know, I take, uh, not blame, but like, I take responsibility for that as a midwife. I think I need to do more. I want to know more myself. I want to understand better how to help women unravel this huge knot of tension they have because it's affecting their uterus. It's affecting their cervix. Um, it really truly is. And I rarely say stuff like that in a way, like making these grand generalizations. And, you know, I don't have hundreds of births the last couple of years to say, oh, this is definitely happening. But I can feel it. I can feel that it is. And even in my own last birth, uh, Rumi's birth, I would totally say that that was part of my own picture is that my nervous system was just out of whack. And I didn't realize it. And by the time I was in the birth process, it was too late. So I'm grateful for the birth I had, even though my birth was also interrupted. Um, I didn't feel safe in a lot of ways, uh, not not physically per se, but in the world, you know, emotionally safe. And I think that is a huge part of birth being interrupted nowadays. It's not that birth works any better or worse than it ever has, right? Birth works. Our bodies essentially work the same. There is not any difference in how our bodies can work. But what is different is that we're not feeling safe in the world. And therefore, we're not feeling safe in our bodies. And let me tell you, it's pretty damn hard to let a baby out of your body, unless you have done some serious work around this. So 
that is the last thing I think that is interrupting birth and the ceremony. And I think there's many more. These are just the few that came to mind initially when I made some notes here. Oh, wait, I forgot one. That was only four. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, the last one, um, again, is sort of not on a list anywhere else, I don't think. But uh, the last thing I think that interrupts the ceremony is not realizing that it's a ceremony. When we can't remember or feel that what we're in is not just physical pain, then we interrupt the ceremony. And again, I'm not saying it interrupts the physiology. Maybe it doesn't. And maybe it's perfect for that woman to have whatever interruption happens for all the reasons. Sometimes people need a break. Sometimes babies need a break. It's all fine. But there's something about just treating birth as this, oh, it's so painful. Oh, I can't do it. You know, I, I can't allow that. It's too much. Um, yes, I feel like over the last month, I've said this to a couple of women now, and it's all so normal. And I say it all of the time, like, yes, it is a lot. Call it pain, if you would like, call it intensity, I don't need to fill in the vocab there. But yes, it is huge. And if you think you're just going to sail through and a baby's going to come out, I will tell you that that's probably not going to happen. Probably not. I think there's a portal to step through to bring the baby out. Even if you're handling it really well, even if you're someone that's like, this is not painful, I'm fine. Okay, great. But there's still a rise in energy. Let's just say that there's a rise in energy that you step into where a baby comes out of your body. And when we don't know that, or we don't want to go there, then we interrupt the ceremony and we sometimes interrupt the physiology because we just stay where we are in the process. And I say to women all the time, that's also fine. It is not my job to tell you when to step through the portal. This is your birth. I'm just witnessing and sharing my experience, which is until you're ready in all of the ways to bring your baby here, you will kind of flatline in the birth process. And again, you know, this isn't everyone, obviously, this is kind of on average, I know for sure, there are women that have hour labors, and their babies just fly out, and they never thought about anything, they never considered it a ceremony, it just happens. And that's so great, that's so beautiful. And that's just such a testament to the mystery of birth and all that we don't know, because truly, there is more we don't know. But when we talk about our own experience, this is something I've seen so often. So if you don't want to interrupt your own ceremony, just stay in it, stay in it and know that it's going to flow the way it needs to. And that like all ceremonies, there are parts, you know, there are parts where we're tuned in more and there are parts where we might communicate with the outside world more. And then we have to tie up the ceremony no matter what it is. We don't just leave the circle open and be done. Um, we close the circle, we close the energy. And the way we do that in birth is to have the baby. And then of course, birth the placenta. And then the circle is closed. The circle of birth is closed at that moment for that woman for that initiation. All right, everybody, the screaming is getting loud over here by I think what are happy children, but nonetheless, 
Thanks for listening so much. I would love to hear your thoughts on this if you have them. You can always email me at marin at and I hope you have a great week. <laughs>